What's up, everyone, and welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I thank you for being here to listen and learn from all the amazing educators I talk with. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. Today's episode is sponsored by Edu Badges. They are back as a sponsor. As a former principal and director of innovation and technology for a really large school district, I know firsthand how important learning and professional development is for all educators. So just think about it. Adobe Express Expert, Artificial Intelligence, AI, Apple Teacher Certification, Audacity, you can become a Chrome Champion, Common Sense Media, Digital Citizenship, Desmos, Flip, GoNoodle, Gmail, Google Educator Certification. There's so many, I can't even say them all. If you've been looking for a transformative professional development solution that aligns with your district's instructional goals, look no further than Edu badges. They're a groundbreaking platform offering flexible results-driven learning for educators. The teachers say puts the spark of joy back into their PD. They have over 270 badges to choose from. So what this looks like is you get an account. And by the way, it is free to get started. You get an account, you log in, you sign up, and you can choose all the different things. There's 270 badges to learn from. They're all aligned with the ISTE standards for educators. That's the International Society for Technology in, uh, in Education. You just have a clear view of all the educators, their progress. It's really, really awesome. And guess what? Like I said, you can get started for free with a free educator account, giving your team access to select badges and up to seven hours of professional learning, use promo code Adam, that's just my name, A-D-A-M, for $20 off a premium account. Experience the difference and consider the potential for your entire district. Visit Edu Badges. It is linked in the show notes now to learn more or schedule a demo. They will get on and actually do a free demo for you. Empower your educators today at edubadges.com. Don't forget, use Adam as the promo code. And also, if you are looking for a speaker, if you have some professional development coming up, I am booking events for 2024 right now and 2025. Also, I've given almost 400 keynotes all across North America. I've worked in 46 states. I got breakout sessions, leadership strands, you name it. I would love to work with you. You can email me directly, adamwelcome at gmail.com or go to my website, mradamwelcome.com for more information. I thank you for being here and I really hope you enjoy the conversation that I have in store for you today. Dr. TJ Very, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Dude, everybody, if you don't know what I look like, and if you don't know what TJ looks like, you can just basically be looking at the same person. <laughs> I just shaved, but usually I have a beard, and I'm wearing contacts, but I do usually wear glasses. And uh, TJ is definitely my brother from another mother, doppelganger. Uh, if you ever need to go on vacation for a month, I'll come and do your job uh, in your district and 
people probably won't know for a while that you're gone because we do uh, we do look uh, quite alike. We got the bald head, uh, which is uh, which is awesome. Deputy Superintendent TJ Very on Twitter X or whatever the heck we are calling it these days. Uh, there's probably only a few people out there, TJ, that don't know who you are, man. So uh, introduce yourself and just bring everybody up to speed and uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure thing, man. Um, Deputy superintendent, like you said, in the Appaquinimic School District, 13,000 kids. We grow by four or 500 kids a year, so that's a fun problem to have. Um, I'm a co-director uh, at the Schoolhouse 302. We founded a, a leadership development institute. Um, I've been a principal, assistant principal, teacher, department chair, all the things, and love my job 10 years in this position, um, both assistant superintendent and now deputy. And um, just wrote our sixth book, uh, Invest in Your Best. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, you can find all our content at the schoolhouse302.com. That's the schoolhouse302.com. Blog posts, podcasts, book recommendations. Um, and that's me, dude. And we can talk a little bit more about it as we, yeah. as we unfold this story. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I have a lot, uh, a lot to talk about that. You are definitely a machine of content. Uh, not just positivity, but content and putting it out there in so many, uh, so many different formats. It's uh, it's awesome. Uh, before we get into some of that stuff, uh, if I want to know if you weren't an educator, what else would you have done, TJ? You know, strangely enough, before I became an educator, I worked in restaurants, hmm. um, and I was a restaurant manager. And in my last few years as a restaurant manager, I did turnaround leadership in restaurants, taking hmm. restaurants from the red to the black in a short period of time and then handing it back over to a manager. And I loved that work. It's grueling, grueling hours. But by the time you get to the principalship and into the district <laughs> office, you're working normal. some <laughs> kind of crazy hours anyway. But, uh, but I love restaurant work and I would have probably opened up my own restaurant chain, maybe a brewery or something like that. If I wasn't in education, I think I would have gravitated towards, towards that type of industry. Dude, I did not know that about you. That just adds to the layer of brother from another mother because I worked at my uncle's pizza parlor for 10 years. And then post-college, I actually co-owned a restaurant with him. And then I just decided, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to smell like pizza for the next 20 years and all the things. And I, I kind of, uh, I got my, te my teaching credential and, uh, and went that route. But it's always fun to kind of hear what else people would have done. Uh, I'm curious, man. There's been, I, I mentioned Twitter and X, you know, uh, before. Um, that's how you and I originally met years and years and years and years ago. And obviously everything has changed. Uh, you know, I'm, I get, um, I get sad about Twitter because Twitter was kind of like, uh, the origin for so many people, uh, kind of getting out there and I think connecting with other like-minded people. Um, and yeah, we have LinkedIn and Facebook and all these things, uh, but the landscape has changed. So my question is, where are you learning? right now? Where are you expanding other than your books and your podcast and newsletter and everything else? Um, and nothing's going to replace Twitter, obviously, because it's what it was and it's not going to be ever be what it was. Uh, but where, where are you learning? Where are you meeting new people um, on kind of the socials and the internet? Yeah, you know what? I'm still on Twitter. I haven't given up on it. I know a lot of people have like deleted their account and stuff, but if I can ignore like probably a third, I guess it is now <laughs> of my Twitter feed. I still make a lot of contacts still um, on DM with a lot of folks who, who I learn from and who I connect with on Twitter, Instagram, 
Like if I get the right reel going, dude, um, and I'm scrolling through, I can get John Maxwell and like a ton of other people, just snippets, you know, 90 seconds or less. Mm -hmm. I learn a lot there. I share a lot from Instagram. I don't post a lot on Instagram, but I'm there learning um, from the snippets that people put on there. But dude, I want to, I want to tell you something that I think with podcasts and social and all that stuff, I think people forgot about books. I love (laughs) books. Yeah. Like I like to read books, tons of books. I read, um, um, I listen to books and I like to connect with the authors, both by tweeting out or, or doing social, um, that way, uh, you know, tagging the author and connecting with people like you, it's how we met, yep. um, just reading your, your book, kids deserve it. And then lastly, I'll say hands down, the best platform for connecting for me is LinkedIn. Yeah. It's like the people on LinkedIn are not there for drama. They're there for learning and sharing and what they share, what they do. They share what they know. They share what they're producing. And I, I can't get enough of LinkedIn from, from a connection standpoint. So people can find me there, connect with me and uh, I'll follow back. I'm not one of these people who's trying to rack up followers or anything. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was a stalker on LinkedIn for a long time and you and I hung out in August in person and we had a similar conversation and you told me, Adam, LinkedIn and TJ, I gotta tell you, I listened, I had a free account forever and I upgraded and uh, just kind of putting more energy and effort. And I think that's the old, you know, whatever you put into it you're going to get out of it and you know what things change things shift uh you know put more into it so you talk about books i'm with you i think i've read 65 books this year in 2023 the best book that you read this year maybe from like a leadership standpoint because this podcast is leadership focused what's that one book maybe that you read this year that uh really kind of changed your perspective or made you think about leadership in a different way yeah, dude, I, I could go on and on about this, man. Books are my jam. I think um, stillness is the key. Yes. That changed my mind. I tweeted about that and you t- retweeted it. Uh, yeah. That's interesting about that book. Um, but I just think, you know, you know that, that one really changed my mind about like the way that we can really slow ourselves down and be mindful, something that's hard for me, but something that I'm practicing. Yeah, TJ's talking about Ryan Holiday, who writes about ancient stoicism. Uh, absolutely, he's written a bunch, a bunch of books. Ego is the enemy. Uh, Stillness is the key. He has a great uh, book called The Daily Dad uh, that I actually just shared about recently. He has an awesome YouTube channel that I just constantly consume. Uh, really, really cool dude. He used to be like the CMO for American Apparel at like 23 years old. That company imploded. Uh, he kind of had a crossroads of his life and uh, he started reading about stoicism and uh, he's uh, he's all over the world. Uh, really, really great stuff. Um, I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, TJ, you're at Central Office and um, I used to work at Central Office and I feel the farther you get away from working at a school, the more intentional you need to be about spending time in schools. And I feel in a lot of the work that I've done uh, while I was a director and then now in the work I do now, people sometimes get to central office and they kind of feel like I'm at central office, I'm good. But as we know, you have to make a concerted effort to spend time in classrooms, in schools. So the decisions that you're making at central office that directly impact schools are the right decisions. So how do you stay connected to classrooms? How do you stay connected to the schools um, in your job as a deputy superintendent? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I spend a lot of time in schools. I mean, 
13,000 kids, 21 schools, soon to be 24. Um, I would say that my presence is probably not uh, as expansive as it should be in terms of people seeing me, but I definitely see the schools. And I have what I what I build is layers of um, walkthroughs. And it's not just being in the hallway. That's part of it being in the cafeteria, right? And just being feeling the culture of a school. But I'll build in layers where I'm out in a school with the principal going into a classroom with an assistant principal looking at instruction, specific instructional practices. I'll go with my high school principals. I'll go with my middle school principals. Um, and then sometimes I'll bring a director with me. Sometimes I'll bring somebody from teaching and learning. And so we probably have five or six layers that we schedule on a monthly basis to make sure that we're in schools, that teaching and learning's in schools, and that we're looking at, you know, the curriculum, what students are learning. And I'll tell you what, man, I take a beeline to the kids. Mm, I don't yeah. take for granted what kids are learning because of what teachers are teaching. I ask the kids what they're learning, why they're learning it, why it's important. And I want to make sure kids are connected to the reasons um, behind um, what they're digesting in classrooms and really challenge whether or not we should be teaching that or spending our time doing something else. So yeah. I, I consider that to be a major part of my job. And uh, I would say on a weekly basis, I'm in schools four out of five days, if not five out of five. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's an important thing to remember because all jobs are important, but if you're not in a school and school districts exist to support the schools. That's why central office exists to support the schools. And I know, I think sometimes people can uh, kind of get away from that a little bit. So um, whatever you need to do, build a habit, which is something that Ryan Holiday talks about in all of his books, you know, build a habit and um, hopefully you're going to be able to uh, better impact schools on a, on a daily level, on a weekly, monthly level. Um, what's the biggest leadership lesson you've learned in your career? Biggest leadership lesson, I think for any leader is that you're not leading yourself. You are leading people who are different than you. Mm -hmm. And we have to learn what people need. And it's not always the same thing that you need. Yeah. And I, for a long time, thought that people were driven and hungry and, um, and ready to, 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 to take on new things the way that I was. And that's not always true. Um, and people need different things. And we can't lead people until we understand who they are and what they need. And sometimes that's systems and sometimes it's culture. Um, and it always includes conflict. The definition of leadership is influence. The challenge of leadership is conflict. The result of leadership is change. Mm. And leaders have a bias for change because we want to improve things. And that means that we have to overcome conflict to have that influence. And that includes finding out what people need. And it's not what you need. It's what they need. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when you're in the classroom as a teacher, you have 25, 30, 120 students. They're all different learners and you all have, you have to teach them and connect with them all in a different way. Um, but the same goes for leadership, right? Because you have, you know, 30, 30 teachers and 20 extra staff members and, you know, 50 total or whatever. And they're all, to your point, uh, different personalities. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about and a really good reminder for leaders because you're right. We want to... We want to we want to grow. We want to hyper hyper speed that. Let's go. Let's be better for kids. Let's make this organization better. Um, but understanding all those people is uh, is important. I'm curious. How do you approach decision making, um, and how do you approach a decision that is a really tough decision? You know, if it's like a one through five, one is TJ. What color chair should we get? Blue or green? You're like, eh, 
green. Not going to have a lot of impact. It's okay. Level five, you know that there are potential repercussions across the board with the decision. Uh, it's going to be maybe sensitive. Something's going on. How do you how do you kind of gauge when it's like a level five? And then maybe just talk through your process about how you go about making that decision. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of layers and uh, you know to peel back with that. I think one to start with is um, um, Daniel Kahneman's thinking fast and slow. I think yeah. that's also a, a decision making fast and slow. Um, sometimes we have to make decisions fast and sometimes we have to make decisions slow. So the first thing we need to decide whether that's a five or a one is how fast does this decision need to get made? Does this decision need to get made by me? Is this decision need to include other perspectives? I think all of those are really important, um, things. I think leaders, um, need to be decisive. And sometimes it's just making a decision like I make a lot of bad decisions, right? And it, <laughs> because because sometimes like I can I can assess a situation and say I can make this decision either way is going to be bad. Yeah. Right? Think about, you know, suspending a kid even from school. Like no matter what, you can decide to to not have consequences for a kid, that's not a good decision. You could decide to suspend the kid out because that's what the code of conduct says. That's not a good decision, but you got to make a decision. So being decisive and being able to be quick with decisions that need to be made fast is really important. And then knowing that I'm going to slow this down. Um, I use a first followers theory. I love the video, uh, the, the leadership lessons from a shirtless dancing guy. Don't, <laughs> yes. don't, don't Google shirtless dancing guy, folks. Google <laughs> leadership lessons from a shirtless dancing guy. And I think you'll see that there's a concept of a first follower. And I think a lot of times when we need to make a decision, we need to gather perspective and get first followers on board first before scaling it. I heard from a CEO, a superintendent one time said, in education, we try to scale our decisions too fast. In industry, they don't do it that way. So yeah. let's start small. Let's get some people on board. Let's see what that decision looks like in a, in a micro sense before we make it m more macro. And I've learned that over time. I'm, I'm still not as good as it I, I need to be. Yeah. But you know, in, these, in this business, um, decision-making is critical. The last thing I'll say though is, it's one of the reasons why we wrote seven mind shifts for school leaders, because those are seven models for making decisions um, and to analyze a process for what the school needs, especially in times of change. If you've ever done a SWOT analysis when you're about to make a decision, you know that using a model can change your mind. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't hesitate to rely on models, people, processes, so that I'm not just alone in a vacuum. Yeah, I'm going to link many things in the show notes. I will not be linking the YouTube video of the shirtless dancer. People can find it. They've probably seen it. There was a guy at a concert and he started dancing. And, um, you know, speaking of small, I want to talk about your brand new book, Invest in Your Best, that you uh, you co-wrote with some really awesome people, Connie Hamilton, Joseph Jones, and the Todd Whitaker. Nine Strategies to Grow, Support, and Celebrate your most valuable teachers. The book is linked in the show notes. We can't talk about the whole book, but I want to go to 
chapter seven, because you mentioned small, um, just a little bit ago, start small, and I think there's something really important there. Chapter seven, applying data-informed feedback, and we're going to go to page 132. If you don't have the book, get it. If you do have the book, open to page 132, sustain new habits. They talk about maximizing your investment in peach 2H, build and sustain new habits. In order for a strategy or a solution to be shifted to a habit, barriers to success must be removed or reduced. James Clear, great book. You quoted Atomic Habits in 2018. Suggests five strategies for building new habits. Number one, start with an incredibly small habit. Increase your habit in very small ways as you build up, break habits into chunks. Number four, when you slip, get back on track quickly. And number five, don't forget to be patient, stick to a pace you can sustain. I love that because I see so many new initiatives and new things happen that get started in August, and TJ, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and then in December or February, you go, wait, what happened to that new thing? It's because people probably thought big and tried to enact big, and then it wasn't sustainable. The attainable, I think, has to be sustainable. So what else, what do you think about that other than what you wrote? What have you seen? What ideas or advice do you have for the listeners when they're, when they're trying to start something new? Yeah, you know what? Probably the biggest thing that people need and that we need to remember when we're starting a new initiative or building a new habit is feedback. Mm. And feedback is critical. Um, I think leaders struggle with feedback in two ways. One is finding yourself in the space to be able to give people feedback. In a school, that's the classroom, the most important space we have. Um, and two, making sure that feedback is meaningful um, again, I would use a model for how we would give people feedback, but I think implementation of an initiative, um, and this can get quite heavy if we wanted to go down that road, but I think implementation fails because even when people are willing to take the risk and try something new, unless they get feedback on that, it's not likely to stick. And here's the other thing about it. And I'm a dork, I'm a nerd, so here we go. But the neuroscientists are clear that you can. it's really hard to be a reflective practitioner on your own. And we often rely on that in classrooms and schools that people are trying something new and they're tweaking it on their own and they're thinking about their progress. It's not true. It doesn't work that way. You have to have a tool, a peer, a, a, a video, a recording of yourself, some way to think back at what you're doing because our brains are not able to process how well we're doing something when we're trying to do it well. Yeah. And um, so I would say, you know, part of that model there and part of what the book talks about is our ability to give feedback, specifically in this case, feedback to our best teachers because often they're ignored. Yeah. And that was kind of why we wrote the book after hearing from leaders year after year who struggle with their most valuable people who, you know, again, become isolated because of how valuable they are. And it's just the antithesis of what really needs to be happening in schools. But I'd say if you want to build a habit, figure out how to get feedback and how to get feedback often. Yeah, well, I think that leads into, into the next point that I wanted to pull out page 92. Risk number two, be careful to exploit your best. 
um, and it, it talks about you have a, you have a great a great section about um, having your quote unquote best teachers uh, you know share out and are they the expert and be careful with labor, labeling them as an expert or a master teacher it, it might it might backfire um, and I love because you the four authors you all have so much experience obviously uh, with that this book is there's stories there's ideas there's tangible recommendations there's charts that you can fill out you know if you're a principal buy one uh, for yourself buy one for your admin team your instructional coaches you know you, if you don't have a leadership team at your school you should have a leadership team at your school if you don't start one uh, get the book go through it together because I think especially for those instructional coaches I think that's one of the hardest jobs in a school district because you're not on the admin side you're on the teacher side but you're not evaluating but you're giving really important feedback and there's that middle ground you guys have so many different strategies um, and ideas uh, packed into this book uh, that I think are so great and also when people have that support they feel like they can do the job and they're gonna stay in the career and recruiting new teachers is is just so valuable um, what am I not asking you about the book everybody get the book I can't go through it all what else do you want to talk about and pull out from the book TJ that you think will really help people um, right now in the middle of the 23-24 school year yeah, I mean, I think, um, well, first off, you have two very vulnerable populations in schools right now, sp specifically because of the teacher shortage, and that's your new teachers, and they need special attention, and your best teachers. It's obvious that the new teachers need special attention, although we don't do it very well. I mean, we wrote about that in, in one of our books called Retention for a Change, um, about teacher retention. The, the last part of that book, I think three chapters are dedicated to just what we need to do with our new teachers. That brought us to invest in your best because the other vulnerable population is your best teachers. And guess what? The door is open for them. They can go yeah. anywhere they want. And right now, especially, they can go to any school in America with their credentials and they can get hired. By the way, with the growth that we experience in my school district, I'll hire all your teachers. <laughs> Send me your teachers. But here's the thing about... Um, the book and the strategies, I think you'll see that they really are about growing, supporting, and celebrating our best teachers. Yeah. And they're different than everybody else, and they need to be treated differently. And we need to get over the fact that some people are just better at the job than others. And it's 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 just part of life. Um, and if we don't differentiate for them, they are susceptible to all of the things that happen to people, burnout, um, leaving the profession early, wondering if they're doing a good enough job, yep. morale uh, being low. And so, listen, we need to do stuff for all of our teachers, but it needs to be differentiated. And I think that's why, you know, that's why we wrote the book, because we've heard it and you've heard it. Everywhere we go, we coach principals, we do executive coaching, we have mastermind groups at the Schoolhouse 302, we do a ton of work. And same with Todd and same with Connie. We got together and we said, what is it that's missing? And we we concluded that something needs to be done for these people who are high performing, but yet have a ton of more potential. Yep. And leaders tend to spend 80% of their time fixing problems versus looking for bright spots. And this kind of flips that, that thought process. Yeah, yeah. Pick up a copy. It's linked uh, in the show notes. And also, if you're on the East Coast, if you're in Delaware and you are a teacher and you're looking for a new start, I have been to Apoquinimic. And let me just tell you, the facilities in that district, it um, they almost look fake, 
because they are so nice. I have not been to a district, and I've worked in 46 states, where the facilities that you all have are absolutely amazing, and they have great leaders uh, like you. Let's talk about the Schoolhouse 302. I want to start first with your newsletter. It's linked in the show notes. Everybody should sign up for the newsletter. Uh, what do you uh, put in your school leadership newsletter? Um, what kind of information? Why should people sign up? And then let's just talk about 302 in general, and you've been dropping little hints and all the things along the way, but just kind of you know summarize uh, to wrap all that up. Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, um, the blog, the website, the newsletter is somewhat of a curriculum. You don't have to follow it this way, but if you do, um, and our and our super users do follow it this way, and some universities have actually picked it up. We start every concept. When we start a new concept, we started with a long form blog post, has tons of links in it to resources. We link to your stuff. You know, we link to, to different people who we both know and the research that we've done, everything that we produce is research-based. Um, after that, we typically have an author who's related to the concept. Um, it will come on our Leading Better and Growing Faster with Joe and TJ. That show is about 30 minutes. It's meant to listen to in a commute. Um, that's Leading Better and Growing Faster with Joe and TJ podcast. Then Joe and I will then riff on the topic ourselves in that same podcast feed. And then we usually wrap up uh, with a with a book recommendation or two that we make. We do that on YouTube and on our site. And then finally, we have an additional um, podcast called Focus Ed that kind of augments things. That's linked to a program that we do, an induction program for new principals, new assistant principals, new school leaders in Delaware. And, and if you want to, you can come to that. It's a live event. Anybody's invited. We have some partners who are allowed to, uh, uh, you know, we are allowed to have guests. So anybody can come to those events. Um, and we do 14 shows on Focus Ed a year. So that's the content you're going to get from our newsletter and from our website. Um, and that's how people that's how people find us. That's how people interface with us. And all of that's free. Yeah. And yes, TJ has a full-time job. So if you think that you don't have time to do something else or something creative, I've always said you have time for what you make time for and make it positive and make an impact. Linked in the show notes, the schoolhouse302.com. Uh, TJ's brand new book linked in the show notes. Uh, TJ, if you could choose one person, alive or dead, to spend the day with who is not a family member, who would it be and why? Man, that's an awesome question. I think that... Uh, I would probably choose a dead, a dead person who I would choose would probably be Abraham Lincoln mm -hmm. fascinated by how tough his job was mm -hmm. and how he, he came up through the system and, and, and failed a bunch of times before he became a superhero really. And the conflict and and turmoil that he had to overturn I and mean, i think the country would be in better shape frankly if 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 he didn't die mm -hmm. um and then alive you know who uh does this thing i i'm a golfer but i stink at it but <laughs> I, um john maxwell uh, uh, is a golfer and he's a he's a, a leader and and i would love to spend a day with him to see 
what how his company runs yeah. um but also the type of things that he teaches to people yeah. uh, i follow his work i probably read all his books which is crazy because he writes books faster than <laughs> i can read them. um but yeah i think you know leadership is my jam and i want to grow and learn and i think those are two people i could learn from i could probably go on but um i think most of your listeners will probably gravitate to the reasons why I'm I'm picking yeah. those two people, one alive, one dead. Yeah, John, if you're listening, go play golf with TJ, and then if you could do me a favor, come on the podcast. That would be awesome because I would love to talk to you, uh, TJ. A big part of the podcast is just amplifying the voices of my guests. I'm just going to pass the microphone over to you, man. What would you like to say to all the people that listen to this podcast? Yeah, you know, I first off, thanks for listening to the podcast. I think the big thing that I would say, my message to 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 those who are listening. One, if you're listening to this, it's because you want to learn and grow as a leader. Um, and two, that typically means that you want to give back to your community in a way that is transformative. And so just keep doing that. I celebrate leaders. I, I, I love to talk to leaders, to coach leaders, principals, assistant principals, especially new leaders. But just, I would say, invest in yourself. Um and continue to listen to podcasts like this, follow Adam's work, and um, just deepen the insights that you can get from the social channels that we talked about earlier, but from books, from podcasts. Um, we need strong leaders. We need strong leaders in education. And those of you who are out there who are really pouring into yourself, that matters. You're getting stronger. It's incremental. You probably don't see it yourself, but the people around you know um, when that's happening. And I would also share that you are trying to get better. One of Covey's high trust behaviors is to get better. And I think it's really important to tell people, hey, I'm trying to work on this. I certainly haven't arrived uh, as a leader. I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, we talked earlier, I make some bad decisions um, once and again, but <laughs> I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to learn. And uh, I appreciate being on the show. And I appreciate anybody who's listening, who wants to learn and grow and reach out. The, the, we're you're, we're here for you. Uh, if you need some help, if you need some advice, um, don't hesitate to contact us. Yeah, the schoolhouse302.com. Invest in your best. Nine strategies to grow, support, and celebrate your most valuable teachers. Pick up a copy, Dr. TJ Very, TJ Very on Twitter and X and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and everything else. Go find TJ, dude. So. So great to uh, to chat with you today. We could probably record, no, sorry. We could record a three-hour podcast because I know you and I could talk and talk and talk and talk about so many things. I'm going to have to have you back on and, uh, and go deeper on some other things. But uh, I thank you for coming on. My friend, my brother from another mother, my doppelganger. If you don't know what we look like, Google both of our names. And uh, I think you'll, you'll see the resemblance. Um, it's always, uh, especially the baldness, it's, uh, it's always fun to do that. Uh, everybody listening, thank you for all that you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.